Well, hey, church, happy Sunday to you. My name is Ethan Magnus, one of the pastors here, and boy, we're going to have a good time today. It is College Sunday. We got our first college lunch of the year is today, and I'm trying to represent here. They got me some Northeast State sweatpants, ETSU shirt, and a Milligan jacket. So uh, there you go. So yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, for those of you that are worried, I promise I'll be back in regular pants next week. Yeah, this is not my jam here, but, you know, do it for love, right? But hey, college students, I want to make sure you know um, we do have our first college lunch is today at 1230. It's kind of directly below this room. Uh, let's see, in between now and then, you can run down the hill to the college Sunday school class, but then come back here at 1230 uh, for the college lunch. We'd love to have you join us in Fiji and have a good time at that. All right, today... Uh, we're getting started. Next six weeks, we're going to be talking about hope. Uh, not a little tiny hope, but a, a great big hope. A hope for you and you and you, even hope for me. In fact, we're going to talk about hope for everyone. But to understand the hope, understand the nature of the hope, we need to start in Babylon. Uh, you see, in Babylon, um, the people... Uh, were in exile. The nation of Judah, God's people, has been destroyed. The walls ripped down, the temple burning. Most of the people were scattered or killed in the war, but thousands of them were captured and dragged across the desert and forced to live just south of the city of Babylon. Strangers in a strange land, in a place they did not want to be, but could not leave. And there in Babylon, God raised up a prophet. His name was Ezekiel. Ezekiel had had a hard life. He had grown up in a priestly family there in Jerusalem, had trained himself to be a priest working in the temple, and then he had to watch the temple fall. As the Babylonians marched through, kidnapping who they could kidnap and slaughtering who they couldn't, he had to watch the city burn as he was carted off. And there he found himself, a priest with no temple, in a land that was not his own. Ezekiel had a hard life. And he was given a hard message. Uh, the, the first vision Ezekiel had was a vision of the Spirit of God abandoning Jerusalem. And of course, with his own natural eyes, he had seen the city destroyed. And now he has this vision of God's Spirit abandoning God's promised land. He had visions that explained how their story wound up in a place like Babylon. It wasn't a happy story. It was a story of sin and rebellion. It was a story of, of loving warnings brought from by a loving God that were systematically ignored by the people until it was too late. It was a story that had started out with such hope, started out with such promise, started out with such potential, but now all that was forgotten because their home was lost and they we're in Babylon. And you know, the Bible is just full of stories like that that start out with such potential. You know, there's the story of David as a boy chosen by God to be king. 
And then a few months later, he's hiding in caves while the armies of Saul encircle him and search for him, seeking to kill him. There's the story of Sarah and Abraham promised a son, but decades go by. And there she is, childless, humiliated, and weeping. There's the story of the nation of Israel rescued from a famine in Egypt only to see their rescue turn into slavery as they're crushed under Egyptian whips. There's the story of Israel wandering in the wilderness, finally free from Egypt, only to run out of water in the heat of the desert as they prepare to slowly all die. Or the story of Jairus, the synagogue leader. You know, he's the one whose daughter was sick, and so he went to Jesus only to discover that he's too late when messengers come to say, don't bother the teacher. Your 12-year-old little girl is already dead. There's the one about the, the four faithful people who bring their friend on a stretcher to meet Jesus only to discover that the crowds are too big and the house is full and Jesus is too far away to do any good. There's the one about the frightened woman dragged through the streets, dumped at Jesus' feet while the, while the angry men encircle her with stones in their hand preparing to kill her. There's, there's the one about Peter and the other disciples who wander back to fruitless fishing after watching their master die on a cross. The Bible is full of stories that wind up in Babylon. And here we find Ezekiel and the people of God after so much hope ripped from their homes, mocked by their captors, torn from their temple in exile in Babylon. But there is, there is something that I know that they didn't know. There's something even Ezekiel didn't know. You see, what I know that they didn't know is that their story does not end in Babylon. Their story ends in Jerusalem. And all those other stories, David's story doesn't end in that cave. It ends in a palace with a garden and a legacy and a lineage. And Sarah's story doesn't end in barren weeping. It ends with laughter as she welcomes her baby Isaac, the child of promise. And the slavery of Egypt isn't the end of that story. It's broken. And the people are led to the promised land and they don't die of thirst either. Instead, Moses speaks and water springs forth from the rock and creates a river and the people are saved and the synagogue ruler, he goes back to his house with Jesus, a house of mourning, but death does not have the final word that day. Jesus takes her hand and lifts her up out of death and back to life and those faithful friends who were stopped by the crowds and Jesus was too far away, they climb up on the roof. They dig a hole through it 
and lower their friend down, and he walks away healed that day. But more than that, while the, cl- while the crowds gasp at the power of Jesus over physical sickness, Jesus goes ahead and declares that not only does he have the power over physical sickness, he can forgive sins, that the power of God to forgive sins is now with Jesus Christ and those crowds that chanted death over that woman in the streets they were turned back by one word from Jesus' lips. And that woman was not condemned by Jesus, but was forgiven and made whole and sent to a life of wholeness. And Peter and the disciples, after a night of fruitless fishing, they met Jesus once again, now alive. And Peter is restored to his calling. See, this is the amazing thing about our God. When our God tells a story. See, Ezekiel didn't know this. The people in exile, they didn't know this. But we know that when our God tells a story, it never ends in Babylon. It just never. It ends in Jerusalem. When God tells a story, it never ends in a famine. It ends in a feast. It never ends in a cave. It ends in a palace or a garden. It never, listen to this, folks. When God tells a story over your life, it never ends when you are lost. It ends when you are found or God isn't done telling the story. It never ends in death. We get so confused, right? Because in our human mind, it sure looks like the story ends in death, right? You write a biography, you read a biography, and then they died. Last page, the end. Now the story's over. But that's not how God tells stories. When God tells a story, they never end in death. It ends in life. Because the last word of our God for you is never a word of despair. It is always a word of hope. We need to get better and better as a church and as people of God speaking this truth because the voices of despair are loud in our world. And sometimes the voices of despair are loud even in the church. We're we're, we're too quick to give up. Maybe you're hearing these voices today. A voice of cynicism that says, my loneliness, that's just where my story's gonna end. I'm I'm just gonna be lonely. Or, Or my failure, the failure that I'm dealing with that I didn't plan on, it just sort of happened in my life. I had big dreams. And this failure, this is kind of the end of my story. Or, or my brokenness and my broken relationships or my broken heart or my broken dreams, this is kind of where the story ends. Maybe somebody else is telling you that or, or maybe you're telling yourself that. But I just want to be super clear. If you've got a voice in your life that is telling you that loneliness and brokenness and failure, that that's where your story ends, I don't know what that voice is, but I know what it's not. It's not God. Because when God tells a story, when God tells the truth about your life, it never ends in Babylon. Over the next few weeks, we're going to spend some time kind of unpacking this truth with some significant specificity into a few areas. Uh, we're going to talk about friendships. Uh, there is, there is a, there's a word of despair in our world right now related to loneliness. Uh, we're, we're, it's one of the loneliest times in the history of, you know, as long as people have been keeping track. We've got a, we got a generation uh, coming up. They're the most socially connected generation ever, but they're also the most socially isolated generation ever. 
Turns out that Facebook friends didn't do what we thought it was going to do. We, we, we're not actually, we don't actually have more friends than we used to. And we're going to talk about that. Because a lot of people are just ready to give up and suicide rates are spiking and depression is on the rise. And maybe you're hearing some people saying, I guess we're just all going to be lonely. But God's word has something to say about it. What God's word wants to say is, no, there is hope. There is community. There is a people that God wants to build. We're going to talk about that. We're, we're going to talk about marriage in this series. Our, our culture is sort of giving up on marriage. And a lot of marriages are on the edge of giving up too. And, and I, I get it. It's easy. Marriage is hard. It's so easy to say there's just no hope for this marriage. Or there's no hope for marriage. But God says there is hope. God says there's hope for marriages. And God says there is hope for your marriage. So don't you give up. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about why God's word is so certain and so clear that there's hope for your marriage. We're going to talk about failure in this series. What do you do when you're stuck? What do you do when you have messed up or you have been beaten down and it sort of seems like you're done? Is there, is there still hope there? Well, God's word says yes. And we're going to talk about that next week, that there is, there is hope for those of us who are stuck and those of us who have failed. We're going to talk about the church. I hear a lot of people inside the church and outside the church who are ready to give up on the church. Well, we tried that. It worked for a while. But, but you, know, you know, attendance rates or whatever this, there's not hope for the church. But, but God's not saying that. And, and I'm not saying that. And we're not saying that. In fact, I'm quite convinced that the Spirit of God is ready to do an amazing work of beauty and promise and goodness through God's church if God's church were to surrender to God's Spirit. Uh, maybe the voices you're hearing are more personal. You know, maybe you kind of hear it in your soul. You know, I, I bet some of us are here today with a voice of despair that is just telling you again and again, God's got nothing for you to do. There's no purpose for your life. You know, other people have stuff to do. Other people have gifts, but not you. There's no real way for you to contribute. Maybe you're just going to kind of wait it out, you know. And if you're hearing that voice, I just want you to know that that's not the voice of God. What God says is this, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God says there's a purpose for your life and I got stuff for you to do and I prepared it. I'm just waiting for you to you take up the charge and do the good work prepared for you. That's what God says about your life. Or maybe, maybe, what you're, maybe some, somebody's been telling you or you've been, you've been hearing somebody and you've just decided that, that God can't save a sinner like me. Maybe you just want to say, if you only knew what I did or knew what I'd done or knew what I said or knew what I thought or knew about my doubt and knew about my faith and knew about this, you'd give up on me too. I know God has. I just want to say, if that's what you're, if that's what you're hearing, that's not the voice of God. God's pretty clear. God says this, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. God's word says nobody has ever sinned so much or done so much or been so wrong or been so broken that I can't redeem them and save them and rescue them and restore them. That's what I do and I'm God so I can do it. Or maybe, maybe you've decided that it isn't about how broken you are. It's that God actually has given up on you. 
I know some people who feel this way. They just feel like God has abandoned me. And listen, I get it. When you're in Babylon, it's easy to feel like God's given up on you, isn't it? I mean, the people of Ezekiel's day, that's the way they felt. I mean, if God hadn't given up on them, why do they wind up in this place? And when you're, when you're surrounded by failure or a relationship explodes or, or, or your dreams are dashed or your own sin comes crashing on you, I, I get that there in the middle of Babylon, it's so easy to conclude God has abandoned me, but that's not what God says. What God says is this, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. God says there is hope for everyone. God says I don't give up on anybody. Maybe it's bigger than that. Maybe you're worried that God hadn't just given up on you, that God's just given up on the world, you know. You look around, and listen, I'm not saying things are perfect. You know, there's a lot of mess out there. And I could get it if you just say, you know, God's just abandoned us. God's just given up on the world God created. But again, I know why you might feel that way. And I know where that thought got in your head, but it wasn't from God. God's pretty clear. God says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Our God has not given up on the world. Our God loves the world. Our God gave his son for the world so that life might replace death. See, I know how, how in our culture and our very souls, I know how loud the voices of despair are. They were loud in Ezekiel's day. The, the exiles in Babylon were ready to give up and pack it in. Let, let's just give up hope here, they would say. Let's just blend in with the Babylonians. Why even tell the story of the promise? Because clearly that promise has been canceled. Why even pray to our God who's left us here in Babylon? And Ezekiel almost joined them until God sent him a vision vision so that he would know that when God writes a story it never ends in Babylon Ezekiel 37 verse 1 you look at this this is this is I love this the Lord took hold of me he's like Ezekiel you got to see this come with me the Lord took hold of me and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with dry bones. God led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. And then God asked me, Son of man, can these bones live again? O oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. That's a really important little bit of conversation that just happened. God asked the question of Ezekiel. Ezekiel, can these bones live again? Is there hope here in this valley of death and destruction? Is there hope in this place? And Ezekiel gives exactly the right answer. God, you're the only one who knows the answer to that question. 
Because if it were up to us, there is no hope. If it were up to us, we are stuck in Babylon. If it were up to us, our marriages are in trouble, our friendships are in shambles, our failure will be our final word. If it were up to us, only you, God, know if there is hope. And then God says this, speak a prophetic message to these bones. Say to them, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put my spirit into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. And then you will know that I am the Lord. That's how you're going to know. So I spoke this message just as God told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves and suddenly they were skeletons. And and then I watched muscles and flesh formed over the bones, skin formed to cover their bodies, but still they had no breath in them. And then God said, speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. And so I spoke the message as God commanded me. And breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood on their feet, a great army. And then God said to me, Son of man, these bones represent my people. You've heard what they're saying, the word on the street. We have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore, you prophesy to them now and you say this. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I mean, the the word on the street is we're old, dry bones. Our hope is gone. But here's what God says. Oh, my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And when this happens, oh, my people, you will know that I am the Lord. That's how you know, because that's how I finish a story, declares the Lord Almighty. I will put my spirit in you. You will live again and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. And then you will know that I have done what I said. Yes, truly, amen, the Lord has spoken. Here's the short version of the message today. If you are trusting God to write your story, then the voices of despair are always wrong. See, I don't know what I don't know what the voices of despair are telling you today. I don't know what they're telling you to give up on or give into. I don't know what they're telling you is the end of your story, but I'm just saying, if you're trusting God to write your story, then those voices are always wrong. The cynics may say, we are old, dry bones. All hope is gone. We are finished. But God says, I'm going to open up the graves. I'm going to bring life where there was death. The story that God wants to write in your life does not end in Babylon. Because God doesn't write stories that end in Babylon. It ends in Jerusalem. It doesn't end in the wilderness. It ends in the promised land. It doesn't end in sickness. It ends in wholeness. It doesn't end in suffering. It ends in salvation. And dry bones are going to dance. And God is like, that's how you'll know I'm done with my story. Because the dry bones dance and there is hope for everyone. And I'm just convinced that God wants two things for you this morning, okay? 
God wants you to know this truth. And God wants you to be ready to tell somebody. I, I, I just I want to be, you know, give you a moment with God here. Because my hunch is that some of us are trapped in Babylon today. And some of us are. We are in a place we did not plan to be. The story started so well with all kinds of promise and hope, and now here we are in a place of despair, cut off from the life we'd hoped for, cut off from the relationships we'd counted on, cut off from the dreams we'd depended on, cut off from the plans that we'd made. And we thought God made those plans too. And we're in Babylon. And you're wondering, is this the end of the story? I just want you to know, it's an okay thing to tell God about your dry bones. Take a tour with God. Walk around the valley. Where are the bones dry this morning? Is it your relationships? That are dead and dry and no life left? Is it your career? Is it your health? Is it your plans? Is it your family? Let God walk with you through the valley. Where are you losing hope? Where do you echo with the voice of the people of Ezekiel's day? We are old dry bones. There is no hope. And in in the middle of that place, in the middle of that conversation with your God, honest about your exile, honest about your despair, I want you to listen to what God says. I will put my spirit in you and you will live again and you will return home to your own land. And and God's just saying, I'm not done writing your story until that's true. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and that I have done what I said. The Lord has spoken. And that's how you'll know. God wants you to know there is hope for everyone, which means there is hope for you. And once you know that, once you have been reminded of the truth that there is hope for your life, then the next thing I'm just sure God wants you to do is God wants you to tell somebody. See, we've got to be crazy clear on this. The people you go to school with, uh, the people you work with, the people you see at the grocery store, the people that live across the street from you, they already know that in this world there's trouble for everyone. And there is suffering for everyone. And there is sorrow for everyone. And there is grief for everyone. And there is sadness for everyone. And there is regret for everyone. And there is pain for everyone. And there is longing for everyone. And there is loss for everyone. And there is death for everyone. See, they already know that. They just don't know that there's hope in every one of those situations for everyone. That's the thing they're missing. You don't need to tell them that there's sorrow for everyone and regret for everyone. They're all completely aware. They just don't know that there's hope for everyone. They just don't know that our God has never written a story for someone that ended in Babylon. So don't keep it a secret. The people you know need to know the truth of the valley of the dry bones. 
Not that it exists. Everybody knows that it exists. They need to know that, that God can bring life to dry bones. God can lift people out of graves. And they need you to tell them where their story ends. Every story. Even theirs. You come back next week. And you bring somebody with you. As we just celebrate the truth. That when God writes the story of our lives. It never ends in Babylon. And there is always hope for everyone. Let's pray together. God, we need this truth. For we have dry bones. We live lives in exile. Declare to us again and again. Let it ring in our ears and our hearts that there is hope for everyone. That we will not know that you have spoken until your spirit is restored to us. We are alive again in you and we have been restored to the land of your eternal promise. That's when we'll know your story is done. So fill us with that hope, God. And make us declarers of that hope to everyone till everybody knows that in Jesus Christ, our Savior, there is hope for everyone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.